welcome to the Eagle's Nest Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you soar in your faith, family, finances, friendships, and fitness. Get ready for today's message with Senior Pastor of Eagle's Nest Church, Lee Jenkins. Horizontal habits, horizontal habits. Well, the cross, when you look at the cross, there is a vertical axis that represents our vertical relationship with the Lord. Things like prayer, things like worship, things like reading the Bible, that's, it depicts our vertical relationship. But what about our horizontal relationship? Well, that represents how we interact with other people with one another, our relationships with each other. So just like we need to develop really good vertical habits to the Lord, we also need to develop good horizontal habits with our brothers and sisters. You can't be right with God and wrong with your fellow man. In fact, the greatest commandment The greatest two commandments Jesus told someone, he says, love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, and mind. That's a vertical relationship with God. But then it says, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's our horizontal relationships. So the purpose of this series is to challenge you to make sure that you are treating one another well, to make sure that you are relating to one another well. So I want to open us up with a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump right into the word on a very, very important subject that I will promise you everybody in here has to deal with. You've either dealt with it or you're dealing with it right now. mercy, your grace. We thank you for our vertical relationship with you. We thank you for how good you are to us. We thank you for saving us and for cleansing us and for forgiving us of all of our sins. We thank you for what you did for us on Calvary, on the cross. And so God, we come to you today to listen to your word, to hear from you. But Father, we also don't want to just be hearers of your word, but we want to be doers of your word. So Father, we pray, oh God, that as we receive your word, that it will transform our life, that we will apply it to our everyday life, not by our own power, but by your spirit. So we ask you, Lord, oh God, to speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Can we give the Lord one more hand clap of praise, everybody? The Lord is worthy to be praised. In June of 2015, like a lot of you, I turned on the news and I was mortified because a horrific murder had taken place in Charleston, South Carolina. An avowed young white supremacist 
came into a church called Emmanuel AME Church and literally executed nine people, including the senior pastor who was also a state senator in South Carolina. I mean, it was one of the most horrific things that I have ever seen. This white supremacist said that he murdered these people because he hated black people and that he wanted to ignite a race war. That's what he was hoping for. Well, that did not happen. Instead of a race war breaking out, actually the murders brought people together. So much so that the governor of South Carolina at that time, Nikki Haley, and the South Carolina General Assembly voted to take down the Confederate flag from state grounds. That was a momentous and a bold decision that had been long overdue. And so the funeral for Pastor Clemente, Pastor Clemente Pickney was televised, and the current president at that time was Barack Obama, and he delivered a stirring eulogy. In fact, he broke out in song singing Amazing Grace. All the dignitaries were there, and people were tuned in to this funeral all around the world, and it broke all of our hearts. But the thing that I was most impressed with, if I could use that word, during this tragic situation was not necessarily the eloquent eulogy delivered by our then president. It was not all of the dignitaries who were there. It was not all of the news coverage that we saw. All of that was good. But the thing that impressed me the most, that impacted me the most, was the sentencing hearing of the person who had taken these people's nine lives. At the sentencing hearing, the families of the victims got a chance to speak and to share their heart with the person who had just executed their loved ones. Now, I don't know about you, but when I put myself in their situation, if I had a chance to speak to the person who killed one of my family members, I don't know exactly what I would have said, but I don't think it would have been good. But what impressed me is one by one, these people came up to this murderer who had executed their family member, and they said, we are praying for you, and we forgive you. One by one, they came up to him, looked at him in his eyes, and says, we're praying for you, and we forgive you. Nine different families saying the same thing, and they're saying it from their hearts. They were in tears. We're praying for you, and we forgive you. So there were no curse words. There were um, 
Nobody was trying to retaliate. Nobody was saying, I hope you bust H-E-L-L wide open, all of that stuff. I mean, there could have been a lot of things that they said. But these nine family members made a decision to let it go. To let it go. And that's what I want to speak to you about today. I have entitled today's message, Let It Go. Matter of fact, somebody say, let it go. go. Just let it go. The pain, the anger, the grudges you may be holding, we have to learn how to let it go. And some of us are holding on to things that happened to us 20 or 30 years ago. But today we're going to learn why and how we should let it go. Some of us are holding grudges that happened two weeks ago or a few months ago. But today we're going to learn what God's word says about why we should let it go. I want to start this off with a powerful passage taken from the Gospel of Matthew. I'm going to read it from the contemporary English version, but it reads pretty much the same in all of the translations. So in the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verse, verses rather 14 and 15, it's going to kind of set the stage For why you and I need to let it go when somebody does us wrong, when somebody hurts us, when somebody sins against us. Because too many of us have been holding on to that pain and that grudge. So let's see what the word says about it. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. It says, if you forgive others for the wrongs they do to you, your heavenly Father in heaven will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. You all, Christianity is based on this powerful principle of forgiveness. We can't even come to God. We can't even be saved without forgiveness. Jesus died on the cross for our sins so you and I can be forgiven. So how could we not forgive other people When Jesus has forgiven us. But truth be told, when people do you wrong, when people hurt you, it is very difficult to forgive people. So again, we need to know why we need to do this and we need to know how we need to do this. We're going to be talking about forgiving one another. In this series, we talked about how we have to connect with one another, how we love one another, how we serve one another, and today is going to be about forgiving one another. Let's be honest, all of us 
have been hurt or wronged by someone. Let me see a show of hands. If anybody in your life has ever hurt you, raise your hand. That's everybody in here. Okay, I have another question. Raise your hand if you have intentionally or unintentionally hurt someone else. Raise your hand. That's everybody in here. You see, the reason forgiveness is important because you're going to need it one day because you're going to mess up. You're going to hurt somebody intentionally, and hopefully it's unintentional, but you're going to hurt somebody, and someone is going to need to forgive you, but then somebody's going to hurt you, and you're going to need to forgive them. All of us have been wounded by somebody. Some of us have been wounded emotionally. Maybe it was the infidelity of a spouse or the betrayal of a friend. And it left us depressed. It left us down. It left us mad. It left us emotionally distraught. Being wounded emotionally is a real thing. Some of us have been wounded physically by sexual abuse or domestic abuse or physical abuse or some kind of violence. Some of us have been wounded spiritually. Maybe you have been deeply hurt by a church or people in the church. Maybe you have been treated poorly in church, or maybe you have been rejected, or maybe you put your trust in a leader and that leader let you down. That leader failed, that leader sinned, and it just devastated you because you followed this person and you trusted this person, and now you find out that the person was not the real deal. So you were wounded spiritually. Maybe you were wounded financially. Somebody borrowed money from you and told you that they would pay you back next week or next month. And now it's five years later. And you see them in church every Sunday. And they say, praise the Lord. Or you see them at the family reunion and they act like everything is good. What do you do? When somebody wounds you financially, or maybe you lost that job that you loved, you got fired, you were terminated wrongly, and it hurt you financially, and you feel like you were treated bad. Maybe you were wounded socially by a blatant act of racism or discrimination, or sexism, or bullying, or cyberbullying. There are myriad ways, you all, that we get hurt. Over a 30-day period, if not more frequently, somebody is going to hurt us. Somebody's going to say something. Somebody's going to look at you a certain way. Somebody's going to do something to let you down, and you're going to have to make a decision whether or not you will let it go. 
Because some of y'all are holding on to grudges. In fact, some of you all, your grudges have been like a pet to you. You're just feeding that grudge and you're rubbing that grudge and you're feeding that grudge. You, you got that grudge on a leash. <laughs> Taking it with you like it's a badge, like it's a trophy. That person hurt me. I'm never going to speak to them. I'm going to show them. Well, we're going to see how unwise that is in a few moments because you need to let it go. Well, what do I mean when I say let it go? What do I mean? I mean let go of the bitterness. Let go of the resentment. Let go of the anger that you are feeling toward that person. Now, anger and bitterness and resentment is real. You're not Jesus. Even Jesus wept and cried, and believe it or not, he got angry. He kicked over some tables one time. So there is nothing wrong, you all, with having those emotions. And sometimes those emotions last a long time. Sometimes you have to go through stages of grief. When you lose a friend, you lose a job, or you lose a loved one. It's, it's going to take some time. So I'm, I'm not discounting the fact, you all, that it, that it doesn't take time. Because it does, depending on how deep the hurt was. But sooner or later, you're going to have to decide to let it go. Let the anger, the resentment, the bitterness go. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that the pain will leave, but it is certainly wise to let it go. So what is the key to letting it go? One word, forgiveness. Say forgiveness. We need to learn how to let it go because we need to learn how to forgive. What is forgiveness? Let's look at this definition. Forgiveness is, it means to release or let go, to release your resentment towards someone who has offended you. That's what you're doing. You're just releasing that resentment. Lord, I'm giving these feelings to you. Lord, I need you to heal me because I want to I wanna kill the person. I, I want to return back to them what they did to me. That's normal. Now, I don't know about you all, but I have felt that way before where I wanted to do an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So this is a real deal, you all. Y'all tracking with me on this? Forgiveness, you all, is not a feeling. Forgiveness, though, check this out, it's a decision. Because most of the time, you won't feel like forgiving them. It's a decision that you have to make. You don't need, though, to feel like forgiving someone in order to forgive them. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. Again, it is a decision. 
So I want to give you three reasons. There are probably many more I could give you, but three what I believe profound reasons as to why you and I should let it go. Because people are going to hurt you, some intentionally, some unintentionally, but there is no way to avoid this pain. So you're going to have to learn how to let it go and forgive people. But I want you to know why it's important. It's one thing to tell you all what to do, but I want to tell you why this is important. So let me give you three reasons why you should let it go. Number one, you should let it go because forgiveness frees the forgiver. Can I say it another way? Forgiveness will free you. So it frees the person who needs to offer the forgiveness. It frees the person who has been hurt. Forgiveness, you all, is not for the offender. Forgiveness is for the one who has been offended. It's for you. It's for me. If you don't forgive the person who wronged you, you will never be free. And a lot of you all aren't free because you haven't learned yet how to let it go and forgive. And here's the deal. The person who hurt you, they have gone about their business. They're not thinking about you. And you're holding this grudge, and you're not speaking, and you're bad-mouthing them. Who is that hurting? It's not hurting them. It's hurting you. So what we don't realize, you all, is the lack of forgiveness hurts the person who needs to be, who needs to offer the forgiveness. Unforgiveness and bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting your offender to die. I want to make that one very clear in your mind. Imagine this being poison. And you're going to drink it. And you're drinking it saying, now I've drinking this poison called bitterness, called unforgiveness, called grudges. I'm drinking it and I'm drinking it and I'm living in it and I'm thinking about it and I'm wallowing in it. And now I'm going to hurt you. Um, That's supposed to hurt the person who has offended you. That doesn't even make sense. No, if you drink poison, the poison is going to hurt you not the other person. And bitterness and resentment and anger toward people, you all, really hurts the person who's drinking it. Hebrews 12, 15, look at this. It says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Y'all, we're talking about the grace of God because you can't do this on your own. I I hope you know that. 
Then it says, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Isn't it interesting about bitterness? Yo, I see it all the time, even in the church world. Somebody gets hurt in church, or there's a misunderstanding, or there's a disagreement or there is something that somebody doesn't like and 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 they get bitter they get mad they get angry and what do they do they they hold that in instead of uh abiding by Matthew 18 where it says if your brother offends you or sister offends you you go to them and you talk about it and you give them a chance to say that they're sorry and then if you can't work it out then you bring a third party in Very few Christians, I hate to say this, but I've been pastoring now for 11 years. Very few people know how to deal with conflict. And that's terrible. But what we are good at is being bitter and angry towards someone. And then what happens is that bitterness gets inside of us. So we're mad at a person, or we're mad at the church, or we're mad at the pastor, or we're mad at a family member, or we're mad at a friend, or we might even be mad at a stranger, or we might be mad at another race, or we might be mad at the people on our job who, or, or the company that fired us. And what happens is that bitterness gets inside of us, and, and what happens to it, it grows. It's like a root of a plant that grows in us. And it troubles us, but then not only that, it, 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 it is contagious. It corrupts other people. I see this happening a lot, even in the church world, even in our church. There's a misunderstanding. There's a conflict. And the person, instead of trying to work it out, they go tell 10 other people. And the story always gets worse. I mean, by the time it gets to that 10th person, Pastor Lee is a murderer, okay? Uh, I mean, it's just, it can be about me. It can be about one of our elders. It can be about a leader. It can be about a member. It just gets worse. And that's what bitterness does. It's like a cancer that spreads. So you all, forgiveness is so important because it helps rid ourselves of the root of bitterness. Now, some of you may say, Pastor Lee, you just don't understand what this person did to me. Mm. I know that's very difficult because all of us have experienced different things in our lives. I've had a person to say, I can't forgive this person. Can't. You don't know what my daddy did to me when I was a child or my uncle. You don't know that I was sexually abused by a relative. So how can you tell me, Pastor Lee, that I need to forgive? You don't know what I've been through. And I would just like to say that my heart goes out to all of you. If you have experienced sexual abuse, now why am I talking about that? Because I found out that when I talk about forgiveness, sometimes it stirs up anger in people and things that happen to people when they were children or maybe a teenager. 
or maybe a young, young lady was raped, or maybe you experienced some kind of murder in your family, or maybe a drunk driver hit your family member. So I want you to know that I do understand. But maybe there are some things that we misunderstand about forgiveness. So I want to just hit on a few forgiveness myths because maybe one of the reasons it's been difficult for you to forgive, and it does take time, but maybe one of the reasons it's been difficult is because you have bought into some of these forgiveness myths without even knowing about it. Let's look at a few myths right quick. This myth, number one, is forgiveness is natural. No, that's a myth. Forgiveness is supernatural because you need the grace of God. So everything I'm telling you about, for the most part, you all, you can't do it in your own strength. So stop beating yourself up. It is not natural to forgive. What is natural is for us to retaliate. If we're really, I mean, some of y'all are so godly, you don't ever think about that. But I don't know about you, but there have been some people who've hurt me, and I wish that I could just see them on a dark alley one night. I was like, God, I just wouldn't mind you just setting it up with nobody watching. And I see that person walking down a dark alley. Ooh, we gonna get it on. That's natural. Forgiveness is supernatural. So how do you forgive, especially if you've, if you've experienced some devastating things? You ask God to give you the power to forgive. All right, here, here's another myth right here. Look at this one. Forgiveness is the same as reconciliation. No, it's not. Okay. Forgiveness is letting go of the resentment against an offender. I said that already. Reconciliation, listen to this, reconciliation is restoring the relationship with the offender. Forgiveness does not mean that there has to be instant reconciliation with your offender. Now, Sometimes that would be nice. That might even be a goal. And that might even be possible. But it is not always necessary to restore the relationship back to where it was. One of the reasons is the person who offended you might be dead. You can't restore the relationship back the way it was. Some people you don't want to restore the relationship back to where it was because just you being around them and having a relationship and trying to restore that might trigger something in you. After all, you are human. And so it might not be emotionally and mentally healthy for you to even restore that relationship. I was thinking about this and Hypothetical situation, but if someone worked for our church, and let's just say they were an expert in cyber crime, and I found out that they some kind of way got into our church bank account, 
and they stole, let's say, $100,000. Now, they worked for our church, and this is a hypothetical situation. This is not true, but let's just say someone stole $100,000 from our church, and we found out about it. We sat down with the person. We say, we know you stole that money. We're going to report you to the authorities, and we're going to have you arrested. And the person says, please don't do that. I don't want to lose my job. They say they work for the church in our finance area. And they say, I'll give the money back. I would say, okay, I'll take the money back, but I'm still going to call the police on you. And I'm definitely not giving you back your job. Now, I can forgive them for what they did, but I'm not going to reconcile with you the way it was because that would mean that I would give you your job back and let you continue to do what you were doing. Some things are not wise for us to do when it comes to reconciling. So forgiveness and reconciliation, you all, are two very different things. But now we'll say this, if it can be reconciled, and in some situations it probably should, then please do that, if it can. Especially if it's with someone who you're going to be around a lot for the rest of your life. Here's another um, myth, and it is this. Forgiveness is predicated on the offender saying, I'm sorry. In other words, I'm not going to forgive them until they tell me that they are sorry. No, the person who offended you doesn't have to tell you that they are sorry in order for you to forgive them. In fact, you all, they may not be sorry for what they did to you. So what are you supposed to do? Wait on them to apologize? Matter of fact, some people are so prideful they will never apologize. So number two, you all, that's that's number one. That's a long one. I'm going to move a little fast. But I wanted to spend time on forgiveness freeing the forgiver, us. Number two, and I'm going to move quickly here. The second reason you should let it go is because God has forgiven you. God has forgiven you. Let's look at Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to each other. All of these verses talk about horizontal habits. Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So that's why we should forgive people, you all. Even in the Lord's Prayer, it says, Forgive us as of our trespasses, as of our debts, of our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. So simultaneously, as you are asking God to forgive you, you are forgiving others. We should let it go because God has forgiven us. He has forgiven you. Number three. The final reason you should let it go is because one day you will need forgiveness. One day you're going to mess up. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to hurt someone. 
Hopefully, it won't be on purpose. But even if it was a mistake, you will still need to ask for forgiveness. Back to our opening verse, Matthew 6, 14 and 15. If you forgive others for the wrongs they do to you, your Father in heaven will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, your Father in heaven will not forgive your sins. Vertically, we need to be forgiven. And we have been forgiven. But we also have to do the same thing horizontally. So y'all, as we get ready to close, I want my wife to come on the stage and she's going to share a story, a true story that happened in her life about 30 something years ago. Actually, I think we have been married just for a few years and um, it's a true story and it's something that she had to deal with as it relates to forgiveness. Martika. Um, when I was 14, uh, my parents divorced. Part of the reason for that divorce was my dad was never home because he was a famous Latin musician. Um, a couple years later, when I was 16, my mom said she was going to date again. And she said that she was going to date a person that she knew from high school. So it's like, okay. And let's say his name was Johnny. Johnny treated her like a queen. I mean, he took her out on great dates. He brought her flowers. I mean, he was just a great person. And he also was like a stepdad to us, to where were four of us, and he was a stepdad to us. When, I, uh, when the Lord led me to move to Atlanta, I was such an independent young woman. I was gonna drive here by myself just jump in my car and start heading across the country. And I told Johnny, hey, I'm, I'm moving to Atlanta and I'm going to drive. And he said, by yourself? I was like, yeah. He's like, no, you're not driving by yourself. I'm driving with you. So he uh, drove me to Atlanta, helped me get here. As a matter of fact, my car broke down on our way here and I was so glad he was with me. Well, uh, when I turned 30... I got some horrible news. My mom said that she was HIV positive and that she contracted it from Johnny. Mm. She had never dated anybody else besides him. Um, as it turns out, Johnny was bisexual mm. and had been seeing other men. Mm. He denied it vehemently Oh, no, that's not it. I must have gotten it from the dentist office when I went to see a dentist. His, his tools must have been tainted. Um, six months after I got that devastating news, my mother died. And I had a lot of different feelings. I had rage. I felt betrayed by my stepdad. I had, of course, lots of grief. But I knew that I had to forgive him for murdering my mother. 
because of his lifestyle. I did not want the root of bitterness to overtake me. So I forgave him for my sake. And I also had to forgive his brother. His brother was very wealthy and he flew Johnny to Europe and Johnny got the best medications. He went on to live for another 15 years. Johnny knew, Johnny's brother knew my mom, of course. They had been dating for 14 years. He didn't offer that to my mother. He had the money to fly her there too. So I had to forgive him for me, not for him. I knew that that was part of my challenge as a Christian to forgive him, as a, to be obedient to the Lord for that. And by releasing that anger towards him, it really freed me to just move on. And the, the relationship was not reconciled, of course. I had no intention of reconciling with him but I did let it go. So here's how we're gonna end the service. Let's give God praise for that. So here's how we're gonna end the service. Would like for uh, everyone to stand please. Those of you online, you can participate in this as well. And here's what we're gonna do. It's time to go home, but we got to take care of some short, quick business with God. And it is simply this. Some of you all need to let it go. That's simple. I've been there before. Martika has been there. You just heard her story. It is natural for us to hold on to it. But sooner or later, and hopefully more sooner than later, you have to let it go. So I just want to pray God's grace upon you, God's power upon you. But I'm going to need you to do something. I want you to move out of your seats if you want prayer. I'm not going to, you can come down here. You don't have to. We don't have a lot of time. Movement is an acknowledgement to God that I'm going to do all I can do, Lord, with my power, but, but really it's going to take your power to do this. So wherever you are, you can move out of your seat, you can just stand in the aisles, or you can come down here toward the front, and I'm just going to have a quick prayer. It's nothing to be ashamed of, okay? If you've been living, if you're over five years old, you've been hurt, <laughs> And you probably need forgiveness. Come on, come on, just come out in the aisles. I'm not going to, you can come down if you want, but you don't have to. I just want movement. Your movement is your obedience saying, Lord, I need your help. Lord, I need your help. All you have to do is say, excuse me to someone. If you're at home, you just stand up right where you are. And I would like for some of our elders, maybe you could walk down the aisle and just touch some of the people who are in the aisles. Martika, I want you to pray, and then I'm going to pray just a short prayer for these people. 
who need the grace of God to be on their life. Lord God, we just thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for dying on the cross for us. We thank you for forgiving us of our sins. And Lord, we just ask today that you would give us a special grace to be able to forgive others. Even when the pain is deep, when it is cutting, when it is almost unbearable, we still ask that you give us the grace to forgive. And Lord, we know that your grace is sufficient. And so Father, I ask you to do a deep work in the minds and in the hearts and in the spirit of your people who have been injured by someone else or injured by a particular situation. Father, we literally bring that situation to you and lay it before you right now. And we ask, oh God, for you to help us to let it go. In fact, Lord, you said we should pray for our enemies and for those who despise us and do wrong toward us. So, Father, we give it to you right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray for your grace to be upon these men and women right now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord praise, everyone. Yes. Welcome back. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Pastor Lee or Eagles Nest Church, visit our website at eaglesnestchurch.org. That's all one word, eaglesnestchurch.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay connected with us throughout the week. If you're ever in the Atlanta area, we would love for you to come and worship with us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Until next time, Eagles.